Our reading once again from Job chapter 1. One day when Job's sons and daughters were feasting and drinking wine at the oldest brother's house, a messenger came to Job and said, The oxen were plowing, and the donkeys were grazing nearby, and the Sabaeans attacked and made off with them. They put the servants to the sword, and I am the only one who has escaped to tell you. While he was still speaking, another messenger came and said, The fire of God fell from the heavens and burned up the sheep and the servants, and I am the only one who has escaped to tell you. While he was still speaking, another messenger came and said, The Chaldeans formed three raiding parties and swept down on your camels and made off with them. They put the servants to the sword, and I am the only one who has escaped to tell you. While he was still speaking, yet another messenger came and said, Your sons and daughters were feasting and drinking wine at the oldest brother's house, when suddenly a mighty wind swept in from the desert and struck the four corners of the house. It collapsed on them, and they are dead, and I am the only one who has escaped to tell you. At this, Job got up and tore his robe and shaved his head. Then he fell to the ground in worship and said, Naked I came from my mother's womb, and naked I will depart. The Lord gave, and the Lord has taken away. May the name of the Lord be praised. In all this, Job did not sin by charging God with wrongdoing. The gifts are greater than the giver. That was Satan's idea. Before our reading in Job chapter 1, we find out exactly why Job was suffering. The Lord was in heaven bragging about Job, about how good of a guy he was. Here is a man who has faith in God. And Satan came and responded to that and said, It's only because of the gifts you gave him. Without the gifts, without the blessings, Job would not have faith in you. That was Satan's idea. That the gifts from God are greater than the giver. That to believers, the blessings are more important than the one who blesses. And the Lord said, Let's find out. Is the giver really greater than the gifts in Job's eyes? Is the giver greater than the gifts even when the gifts are taken away? And the Lord put everything in Job's possessions, in Job's possession, under the devil's control. And the devil took away almost everything from Job. He used the Sabaeans to come in to take the oxen and the donkeys. A supernatural fire destroyed the sheep. The Chaldeans came and took the camels. And not just the animals were taken and killed, but Job's servants too. And then that last devastation that the oldest brother's house was destroyed And Job's ten children died. We have have Job's response. He's devastated, obviously. Everything he owned and all of his children were taken away from him in a single day. And he mourned 
the way that the people of his culture mourned, he tore his robe and shaved his head. And then we have the answer to the devil's hypothesis that to Job the gifts must be greater than the giver. Satan was wrong. Job kept his faith in God even in the middle of this destruction. Job said, Naked I came from my mother's womb, and naked I will depart. The Lord gave, and the Lord has taken away. May the name of the Lord be praised. That is an incredible response from Job. He kept this level of faith in God, even in the middle of this trauma and destruction. May God grant us faith like Job. Job showed that to him, the giver is greater than the gifts. How are the rest of us doing? Later on in Job, we find out that Satan took away almost everything from Job, but left his wife. And it seems like the devil left his wife there so that the devil could tempt Job to his face. Job's wife saw all of the devastation and destruction and Job's reaction and advised Job to curse God and die. You see, Satan was not convinced by Job. Satan saw that God had taken away all the possessions, all of his children, but Satan still came back to God and told him that he was still holding back, he was still protecting Job's person. That if God were to allow Job's person to be, put, be put into physical suffering, well then Job would curse God to his face. How are the rest of us doing with this test? Job's wife told Job to curse God and die. The devil still speaks through the people of this world to tempt Christians to curse God, to charge God with doing wrong when suffering happens in this world. Satan still speaks through people like Stephen Fry, who's a famous British narrator and actor who is talking about the possibility that there is a God. And he said that if there is a God— He'll stand at the gates of heaven and tell God, bone cancer in children, how dare you? What is it that pushes us toward that line of being tempted to curse God, of being tempted to charge God with doing wrong when suffering happens? For Stephen Fry, it seemed like it was suffering on a global scale. Is that what it is for us? That we drive past the children's hospital and our heart hurts and we wonder why it has to be this way. That we see something awful on the news and we wonder how this could happen in a world with a loving God. Maybe it's something on a global scale, 
that forces us to reveal what we really believe in our hearts about God. Is the giver really greater than the gifts he has given, even when he takes them away? More likely than it being general suffering that forces us to answer this question for ourselves is when suffering hits a little bit closer to home like it did for Job. When our money and possessions are threatened. When the big unexpected expense comes in at seemingly the worst possible time and we're looking at the number in the bank account and figure this, this is not going to work. Do we still Praise God. When God takes away the hedge that is around our family and allows a tragedy to happen, a diagnosis, a terrible injury, a death, how easy is it then to say with Job, may the name of the Lord be praised? Satan wasn't convinced when only Job's possessions and family were taken away. And so God allowed Satan to inflict Job's body with painful sores. And yet Job still showed his faith in God. What about us? Most of us would probably be at that point already where we're showing what we really believe about God. We're probably at our limit when it's possessions and the family around us. What about when it's us personally? When we have to go through real physical suffering, when we have to go through real isolating suffering in our minds with a mental illness, when those things are combined in some way in a terrible trauma from our past, do we still praise the Lord? Is the giver still greater than the gifts even when he takes them away? Job's situation may seem so extreme that it's not relatable, but we have to answer the same question that Job had to answer. Is the giver still greater than the gifts? Can we still look suffering in the face and see a loving and caring God? That's hard. It's hard when God takes away the gifts to still Praise his name. It's hard not to look at our own works and faith and say, I trusted in you, God. I try to live for you. How could you let this happen to me? It's hard. Is the giver still greater than the gifts? Our answer? The Lord is enough. That is our response to the temptation of Satan. That is our answer in the face of suffering. That is our constant attitude as Christians who expect to suffer, whether the Lord gives or takes. The giver is greater than the gifts. The taker is greater than what is taken. The Lord is enough for us. The Lord was enough for Job. Remember Job's awesome response. It could easily be in an action movie when the main character is so focused on one thing that nothing else matters and maybe that thing is saving his family. Naked I came from my mother's womb and naked I will depart. 
Job had that focus on the one thing that he needed and the one thing that he had left, and that is the Lord. You have the Lord too. No matter what stuff he has given or taken away, no matter what suffering he has spared you from or allowed you to experience, no matter who the Lord has given or taken away, you still have the Lord. Only because Jesus gave up everything for you. Jesus had it all. He is the God of the universe. He was in control of all things and he gave it up to be born into this world of suffering. Jesus came from heaven to earth so that we would be brought from earth to be rich in heaven. Rich because we will be with our Lord there. And the Lord is enough. You have the Lord. Only because Jesus fully submitted himself to the will of God. Jesus prayed that he not have to suffer and die, but that God's will be done. Even if his will is that Jesus would have to go to the cross. Jesus prayed that because he knows that God's will is always good, no matter what it is. And God's will in that case was for Jesus to go to the cross, to suffer and die, to save us. God's will is good. You have the Lord because Jesus went through the ultimate suffering for you. He was abandoned by God on the cross so that all of your sins would be forgiven. So that we would be gifted a perfect relationship with the Lord. You have the Lord, and the Lord is enough. No matter what he has given or taken away, the Lord will not take himself away. As the choir sang, nothing will separate us from the love of God. You have the Lord. But what exactly is it that we have in the Lord? Well, let's see who the Lord has been to other believers. For example, to Moses. We hear that the Lord spoke to Moses face to face as one speaks to his friend. In the Lord Jesus, you have a friend. An all-knowing, all-powerful, all-loving friend who will listen to anything you have to say to him and who wants you to tell him everything. Who will always forgive you and love you no matter what it is you have done. That's a pretty good friend. The Lord is enough. To Abraham, we hear the Lord tell Abraham, I am your shield, your very great reward. The Lord himself is our reward. The Lord is a great reward. He tells us who exactly he is in his word. He shows us who he is in baptism where we are washed clean from all of our sins. He shows us who he is in the Lord's Supper where he gives us his own body and blood. The Lord is enough. May the name of the Lord be praised. That is our constant attitude as Christians. 
something interesting about the book of Job is that in the book, Job never finds out why he suffered. God does come down and talk to Job at the end after Job and his friends have this big discussion as to why Job suffered. And God gives Job a response to all this. But he doesn't tell Job about the conversation he had with Satan. He doesn't tell Job about how this suffering is good for his faith in the long run. Both would have been valid responses. But instead, the Lord comes to Job and tells him, I'm God, and I know more than you. I'm God, I'm always looking at the bigger picture. I always have more information than you. God deals so intricately with his creation, he knows all of it. And so he knows us and our lives. And so we don't always have to know why we suffer. God didn't owe Job an explanation for his suffering, and God doesn't owe us one either. But what does God tell us? He tells us in Psalm 46, Be still and know that I am God. The Lord is enough. May the name of the Lord be praised, whether he gives or takes. And our constant expectation as Christians is that he could do either, and his name should still be praised. The giver is greater than the gift, so praise God when he does give a gift. What a gift this is. Why did God give me this gift? I don't know. I know that I don't deserve it. It must only be because I have a merciful Lord. And so we keep that attitude that the giver is greater than the gifts. And when the Lord takes, we still praise his name. The giver was greater than the gift. And when he takes, he's still greater than what is taken. We can grieve over it. That's okay. The righteous Job did. And just like Job, we may never know why that was taken away. But we do know this, that it must be my loving, merciful Lord who took it. The Lord is enough. As we just sang, earth has no pleasure I would share. Heaven itself were void and bare. If you, Lord, We're not near me.